You are listening to the Pursuit Church Essay Podcast. We are a group of imperfect, real people on a mission to pursue God and love people. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. You see, God commanded us from the beginning to be fruitful and multiply. That's what his word said. And also, in Proverbs 23, 7, we're reminded, though, that as a man thinketh, so he is, as a man thinks. So the point is, how we think often determines how we act, right? It starts with our thoughts. And if we're going to grow and multiply, we have to learn to think multiplication. We have to learn to think multiplication in developing a multiplication mindset. So here's what a multiplication mindset looks like. It's recognizing that in Christ... God has given us all that we already need and that we are then expected to take what God has given us and do something with it. That's the multiplication mindset. It's recognizing that we already have what we need in Christ and then taking what we've been given and multiplying it, using it to build God's kingdom here on earth. So why should we be focused on building God's kingdom though, right? Because that's God's plan. (laughs) Because he said so. That's what we should uh, be focused on because God said so. It's for us to become disciples and then to disciple others. That is what multiplication is all about. Matthew 6.33 says that we are to seek God's kingdom first and then all of the other things will be added. But we seek God's kingdom first first. And when we focus on what God says to do, he will take care of our needs, and then some, and then some. You know, Matthew uh, chapter 25 is full, the entire chapter is Jesus describing in parables, and by the way, a parable is just a story that illustrates a point, okay? And Jesus uses uh, Matthew chapter 25 to illustrate for us in parables what the kingdom of God is like. And we're going to look at one of those parables today as our base scripture that we're going to use. And that is found in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 29. Matthew 25, those of you who have your Bibles, open those things up. For those of you that you may have forgot your Bible, by the way, we do encourage you to bring the word with you. When you, when you come here to Pursuit Church, because you don't want to just take my word for it, trust me, right? You, you, you want to fact check me sometimes, okay? Because God's word is what this place is all about. That's what we're all about. So, let's start reading. Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14, and this is Jesus describing what the kingdom of God is like. It says, For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. He who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, 
saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with bankers. And on my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Powerful, powerful parable. Many of you have, you know, maybe heard this story before, the parable of the talents. But there's some, some seeds here, and I want to pull out for multiplication. There's some seeds for multiplication in this parable that I want, I want to talk about. The first is this, and and this is talking about developing a multiplication mindset, okay? Because we see that in this parable. The first is this, thinking multiplication starts with a surplus mentality. Thinking multiplication starts with a surplus mentality. You see, these two servants believed that what they were given was enough to build on. They believed that. Okay, the master gave them something. They believe, yeah, this is enough to go do something with. They didn't say, oh, no, I, I don't think the five is enough. And the other servant didn't say, no, two, man, I, two, that's not enough to do anything with. No, they believed that what they had was enough. They had a surplus mentality. I wonder, are the things in your life that you're waiting on to do for God that you don't think you have enough? You don't have enough time. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough talent. I'm here to tell you today that you do have enough. You do have enough. You see, you have enough because Jesus is enough. And Jesus is actually the source of everything that we need in order to multiply. Philippians 4.19 reminds us of this, and this is what it said. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To God our Father be the glory forever and ever. You see, we serve an abundant God. We, we don't serve a God of scarcity, okay? And because he's your source, he's my source, we have more than enough. We have more than enough to multiply what he's given us. You see, we have a God of endless supply, of overflowing love, mercy, grace, goodness. The riches that he provides us is more than enough. Now, even though this story is using something that people can relate to, money, I want you to hear this. Multiplication is not just about money. 
Okay, you see, God's calling you and I to multiply everything he's given us. So I don't care if you have a, a dime to your name in this world. You can still multiply what God's given you. His grace, his love, his mercy, his goodness, that's what he's calling you to multiply as well. It's not just about money. That's the principle in this parable, okay? And here's the thing. The servant that received one talent, he still had a lot. He just didn't recognize it and appreciate it. Because you see, a talent in biblical times, lots of different definitions but, or, or measures for it, but one of them is that it was equivalent to about 16 years of wages. That's one talent, That's what this servant with one talent was being given. That's a lot. That's not nothing. You have a lot that God's planted in your life. You have his grace, his love, his mercy. That is not a little. That's a lot. You have a lot that you can use to multiply. You see, the servant with the one talent kind of says he was afraid of his master's anger, but the reality of it is he was lazy. Come on now. The reality of it, he used the excuse that I didn't, I didn't want you to be mad at me if I lost your, your money. But the reality is he was lazy, and Jesus, or the master in the story, which you know that's Jesus, right? He called him out on it. Because you see, back in verse 15, the master gave, we read that the master gave each servant according to his ability. So you see, the master knew that when he gave one talent to this servant, he could do something with it, or he wouldn't have given it to him, right? He knew he could do something with it. And the master's rebuke of him, and him ultimately taking away what, what had been given, was because he did nothing. That's, that's what the master was upset about, is he didn't do anything with it, right? And remember back in Matthew six thirty three, that we're to handle God's business first, and then he will take care of ours. We get that backwards sometimes, don't we? Thinking multiplication means that we must learn to develop a surplus mentality, to start with what you already have, and you do have more than enough. Now, the next kind of principle of multiplication that we see in the story is this. God expects us to use a strategy to accomplish the work he's called us to do. It's this strategy and work. And how do we know that? Well, in order to see multiplication in our lives, we need to think strategically. If you notice in this story, both of the servants had a strategy to use what God gave them. And then they went to work to put that strategy into place, right? In fact, back in verse 16, it specifically says that the servant that had been given the five talents, it said he traded those talents to increase them. Think think about the stock market, right? If you're going to enter the stock market, you don't do that randomly. At least I hope you don't. You better do some research, some comparative analysis on different stocks, uh, see where the market's headed, read up on trends, and then you go to work with your investment strategy, right? You put some work into the strategy, you think through it. You see, the guy with five talents did that. 
He put the work in to develop a strategy and then go do something about it. It's not that difficult, but it does take work. Okay, come on. It does take some work. And also, we're expected to work now. From the very beginning, Genesis 2.15, God tells Adam and us to work the garden and take care of it. There's an implication there that we're not just supposed to sit around and eat bonbons, <laughs> right? And here Adam was in paradise, literally right in paradise, and God expected him to work. He expects us to work. He expects us to work. And when he blesses us, then God fully expects us to do good things with the strategy and the blessings and the work that come to build his kingdom. That's his expectation. I wonder, are you using what God has given you? How are you using what God has given you? Have you developed a strategy? Have you thought through, how am I going to take what God's given me and use it to the best of my ability and with the power of the Holy Spirit, see it multiplied? Do you have a strategy for how to do that? I'm encouraging you today to start thinking about that, thinking about how to do that. You know, the last words that Jesus left us with before he left this earth can be found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, and it's called simply the Great Commission, right? Some of you may have heard that. In essence, what the Great Commission says is Jesus told his disciples and all of us to go make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations. That, my friends, requires strategy and work. He's, he's saying, he didn't say, I'm going to go make disciples. He said, you, me, go make disciples. That requires strategy and work on our part. Notice he did not say, go find me some more followers. That's not what he said. What he said was, go make disciples. That means if we're going to do that, we're going to have to learn some things first. If we're going to go make disciples of ourselves first <laughs> and then of others, we're going to have to put some kingdom principles into practice. Much like Pastor Karen last week talked to us about sowing and reaping, right? That principle. That's a principle we have to learn how to do ourselves before we can help anyone else do it. And then after we do that for a while, we develop a mindset of generosity. And we start looking for ways to be blessing others and blessing God's kingdom. And then as we grow in our faith and our walk with God, then we're able to bring others along. Notice we have to put these principles into practice, though. Okay? It's not... Living the gospel, y'all, man, I'm just telling you, we got, we got a lot of people out there with head knowledge. I'll bet you you got head knowledge about some things that hadn't gotten in your heart yet. I do. I got things that look good on paper, but I haven't put into practice yet. There's a difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. Heart knowledge is when you, when you get it, and then you start to live it. Come on now. And that, because remember, most people, I know about you, most people want to see a sermon before they hear one. And your life is what they can see as a sermon about God's goodness and his grace and all those things that God's called you to multiply. They want to see that in your life, not just hear it. You know, forget Instagram. You can't be an influence for Jesus. You cannot be an influencer for Jesus if you're not doing what he says to do. Come on now. You can't. It doesn't work that way. 
Building your own kingdom first is backwards, my friends. If, if, if you're trying to say, well, I'm, I'm going to get all, I'm going I'm to do this, 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 and this, and then whatever I got left over, maybe I'll give God a little time. If that's your belief, if that's your philosophy, that's not building God's kingdom. That's backwards. It's backwards. Seek to build God's kingdom first, and then he'll take care of yours. He'll take care of your stuff. You see, we need a plan not to just tell people about God or Jesus, but to teach them and train them. That's what Jesus said. Go make disciples. That's a teaching. That's a training process so that then they can do the same as well. That's the way the gospel grows. That's the way things happen. It requires work and strategy. It requires work and strategy. Let me share something that really just blew my mind as, as I thought about this, and I want you to, to, to really take this to heart and, and think about it. Let's say that you personally went out and found and brought to Christ 1,000 people per year. And let's use, I don't know, let's use 36 years. Seems like a cool number. Hopefully everybody's got at least 36 years on the planet average to go do that once they find Jesus. Some people have less, some people have more, but let's just use 36 years. So at the end of 36 years, how many people would have been one to Christ? 36,000, right? It's simple, simple math, right? 1,000 a year, well, you know. So at the end of 36 years, you've got 36,000 people. Now that sounds more like Billy Graham, maybe Joel Osteen, or, you know, those kind of guys, or, or maybe Paul, or, uh, excuse me, maybe Peter on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people came all at once. That's, that's what that kind of number sounds like, though, doesn't it? Sounds, sounds a, little, a little up here. Let me give you a number a little bit lower than that. What about if you, instead of 1,000 people, just brought three people, three people to Christ per year for the next 36 years? And then those three people did the same thing. How many people at the end of the 36 years, if that process went on, would have been one to Christ? A million plus. That's the power of multiplication. 36,000 by trying to do it all on your own, investing in others, building them up, and they're doing the same thing over a million. You see, that's the way the church really has always grown. That's the way God's church. Yes, there's the Billy Grahams of the world. Yes, there's the great evangelistic with 50,000 people in the stadium. That's all wonderful, and I'm not discounting that. But trust me, there have been billions of people, one to the cause of Christ, in twos and threes and tens. That's the way the church grew in the book of Acts. It says they met together in homes, in the synagogues. It was a very small communal process. You don't have to be Billy Graham to change the world. You have to do your part. That's the power of multiplication. That's the power of multiplication. You see, you probably can't disciple a thousand people anyway, even if you were to win them all, right? There's no way you can disciple a thousand people a year. You can do three. You can go to coffee with somebody. 
You can bring them to church. You can serve alongside them. You can be in a small group with them. You can do life with them. That's called discipling. You can grow in the word of God together. And imagine if just three people a year you did that with, and they did the same thing. The power of multiplication. That's what God's calling us to do. He's not calling you to, to, to be Peter and preach to thousands. Maybe for some, some people that might be their calling, but for most of us it's not. He wants us to love the people that we can find day in, day out in our life. And it all starts with you putting in the work and learning and applying some kingdom principles in your own life so that you can know some things about God and then strategically using that to disciple other people. Friends, you can do that. You can do that. That's something you can do. I don't know if you can win thousands, but I believe you can win threes every year consistently for the rest of your life. Man, what a difference you can make. You can be a difference maker in this world. You know, in the book of James, we're reminded that faith without works is dead. Again, that's that head knowledge, right? We, we can say all the faith we want, but if we're not doing anything with it, it's actually a dead faith. It's actually a dead faith. We can't multiply without moving. I'm going to say that again. We cannot multiply without moving. We can't just multiply by sitting in a chair, sitting in our house, thinking, oh, it's just me and God. No, friends, it's not just you and God. We're part of a family. I'm going to say this again. It's not just you and God. We're part of a family. He put us in a family. Do you know that? You are part of a family. You are not the Lone Ranger. God never intended it for, you, for it to be just you and him. I hate to burst your bubble if that's what you think because that's not what the Bible says. That's not what Jesus has always been about and God has always been about a family. That's what it's about. Keep that in mind. Now, if you're, I don't want to have you misquote me either, though, because if you're hearing that everything is dependent upon your works, no, it's not. It's not. Salvation only comes, and the saving of your soul only comes through Jesus Christ. So let's, let's, let's be really clear about that, right? Your works aren't going to save anybody, okay? The work that Jesus did is what saves somebody, okay? But your, but your works are important. So hear, hear that, though. Your works are important. Ephesians 2.10 says that God created you as a masterpiece to do the works that he prepared for you to do before you ever got here. So be clear. There is a work that God has prepared for you to do. And he's given you everything that you need to do it. You know, when these servants were presented with the gifts, talents, whatever you want to call them, they could have made a decision that said, yeah, 
okay, well, the five you're giving me, that's good. I, I, I can just live on that. I'm good. Or the one with the two. Yeah, I'm good, man. Two. Hey, thanks for the two talents. Great. I'm good. But they didn't do that, did they? You see, they made a decision to multiply what the master put in their hands. And why? Because they were not content to just sit on the sidelines. They were not content to just live for themselves. They knew that God, in this case the master, expected them to do something with what they'd been given. The power of multiplication. And that's exactly what God is calling you to do. You know, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. That was his command to his disciples and to you and me. It wasn't just the follow me part, though. What did he say? Take up your cross and follow me. There's an active participation inherent in that statement. Jesus expects you to take up your cross. He expects you to do something, not just follow him. And I would submit that actually doing something is part of following him. And here's the payoff. It's the same... It's the same payoff that his servants in the story received. It says, so that when your time is done, your master can come to you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's your payoff. That's that's my reward. So let me challenge you today. Are you ready to start thinking multiplication in your life? Are you ready to develop a multiplication mindset. With God's grace and help, I'm believing that you can and that you will. Let's work together to build a church where we multiply what God puts in our hands. Let's work together to build that kind of a church where we take food that God brings in and we give it to people that need it. But it's not just about the food, it's, it's about the life-saving power of Jesus Christ. Because you see, with food or water, Jesus was really clear to the woman at the well, yeah, I can give you a drink and it's going to satisfy you for a minute, but how about if I give you some water that you're never going to thirst again? You see, there's a physical component to multiplying things, but more importantly, there's a spiritual component. And so when we're, we're, we're helping people with food, it's not just about putting food in someone's stomach for a day, a week, or a month. That's, that's wonder, and there's value in that. James says true religion is, uh, is this, to care for the poor and the widows. So, hey, that's all part of the, the, the program, okay? Don't ever underestimate that. But we're here to win souls. We're here to win spirits to to God. That's the reason why we're here. That's the reason, and that's what Jesus calls us, calls us to do. Will you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, we come before you now, Father, with a heart to multiply what you have given us. Father, help us to think 
multiplication. Help us to put in practice a multiplication mindset. God, will you enable us through the power of your Holy Spirit to have a surplus mentality. Father, not a scarcity mentality where we're making excuses for what we don't have, but instead, Father, thank you for filling our minds with the true knowledge that we do have everything we need right now through Jesus Christ to multiply what you've given us, your grace, your love, your mercy. And Father, will you show us strategies and ideas that come from you to help us do all that you have asked us to do. We believe all of this, Father. We believe it and we proclaim it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Now, with every eye still closed and every head still bowed, if you're here today and you hear God's voice calling you to more, calling you to multiply your life and what he's placed in it, calling you to give your life to him and the cause of Christ, maybe for the first time or maybe to renew that call again. If that's you today, on the count of three, would, would you just raise your hand so that I know who we're praying for? Again, every eye closed, every head bowed. On the count of three, one, Jesus, I, I need you to come. Two, I, I'm listening to your voice right now, Father. Three, would, would you just shoot your hand up really quickly? Wow. Wow, hands, hands in this place today. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Now, can we all, in support of everyone who just raised their hand, can we all just pray this together? Dear God, thank you for your faithful love, compassion, and mercy. I know I've made some mistakes, and I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I believe that Jesus died for my sin and then rose from the dead. Today, God, I give you my heart and ask you to be the Lord of my life. God, make my spirit strong and steady to obey you now and for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at PursuitChurchSA.com slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to follow us to enjoy more messages like this.